so much of the story of Hebrew scripture is about our waywardness and that God's great gift to us is a sense of direction. This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. This episode, we have Jennifer Hurt, Gilbert L. Stark Professor of Christian Ethics, and Jerry Wells, Director of the Educational Leadership and Ministry Program at Berkeley Divinity School. They're discussing Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 12, which is appointed for track 1 of the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, proper 25, in year A. The text is read for you by Natalie Owens-Pike. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 12. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. The Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him, and the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequaled for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land, and for all the mighty deeds and all the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. This is not just Deuteronomy, which is the last of the five books of the Torah or the Pentateuch. But it's the end of the last book. There's a a dramatic conclusion in this passage that has almost an operatic quality to it. I mean, this is this is grand stuff. If we remember that Deuteronomy really is about a reflection back over the forty years of wandering in the wilderness, and we come up to that pinnacle moment, literally on a pinnacle of Moses being able to look out across to the east and to see the promised land. And he's in full vigor uh, at 120 years old. uh, And he sees it and he's filled with, I'm sure, praise and satisfaction. And then he dies. So this is kind of the, the great conclusion of the great story 
of the Exodus all the way through the 40 years and approaching the promised land. So if I were making a film of this, it would be big. Very, very big. I think it's so important to read those, as, as you say, as this conclusion of the Torah. And then one wants to ask, what's, what's the central message here? What, what, are, what are we supposed to what, what are we supposed to take from this? And what I hear being underscored is that the, Moses is great, and Moses's greatness as a leader is really being emphasized. The last sentence, right? The mighty power and all the great and terrible deeds which Moses wrought in the sight of all Israel. And yet, I think ultimately this is saying God is responsible for Moses' greatness and for all of the great and mighty deeds that Moses did. So Moses dies according to the word of the Lord. Moses is, why does it underscore that he's 120 years old and yet also underscore that he's in full vigor until the end of his life? It's like, well, he didn't have to die then because he could have continued to live in full vigor for another, you know, couple decades. Why not? But I think that that really sharpens this, this awareness that God keeps him alive as long as he needs to be kept alive to reach this point. And then, you know, he doesn't need to live any longer because this, this is where he's, he's been brought to. He's completed the task that was allocated for him. And it would be terribly unoperatic uh, for Moses to be in his dotage. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you know, we, we have to go out with uh, full force. But it's, it's, it's also, you know, that God is in control, but God is represented by the law. And that this, this story about the power of the law and obedience to the law, and Moses is the one who has brought this to the people and enforced it is an important part of this you know, conversation. I, I mean, definitely. I mean, the law is so central. I think, I, I think Christian hearers of the law often misinterpret it at the same time. Yes. Right? So I think we, we need to hear the law in its fullest covenantal context. And law is, is the gift that's given to the chosen people, which enables a life of flourishing in relationship to God. So it's this, it's this very special thing that it doesn't constrict and constrain so much as it empowers and enables. You know, so much of the story of Hebrew scripture is about our waywardness and that God's great gift to us is a sense of direction, the right way to live. And that's represented not only by charismatic figures who have great authority, but by these, this notion of there's the right way to do it and there's the wrong way to do it. And let's do it the right way and insist upon the right way. Moses has been the, the prophet of that, of that way. So it would have ruined the movie to let Moses into the promised land? Is that, the, is that your interpretation of why he doesn't get to go in? Well, certainly Scripture gives us a, a little bit of explanation that he had disobeyed God at certain point along the way, and this was kind of the consequence. So that certainly reinforces the notion of everybody must be obedient to the law, even the great Moses. But I think that if I look at it from a more literary point of view, there's also just this is a great demarcation. This is the end of a major epic, and it will now fall to followers to live out the promise. 
Uh, so if Moses gets to come across, we transition from one form of leadership to another, but we haven't changed leaders. So we're going to have some new folks who now have to know what it means to live into the law in the promised land. That's going to fall to different people. Uh, and I think that that is true of nations and institutions and all kinds of things that we that we construct socially, that there are those great leaders who can create the vision, see the vision through, et cetera, and meet some of those initial challenges, but that the maintainers, that's a different skill set. And so we, we are moving from one major part of the story to the next, and we can't have the same leader doing both jobs. So it, I think it's highly appropriate that Moses must now turn this whole operation over to others. So near the end of this passage, we're told, and there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. What what do you make of this? Well, I think that that whole notion of the face to face is that this is not something that we get to expect as human beings. Moses was truly singular in that way. And so we had this intimacy uh, with God and the story of the relationship between the the people and God is really important, but there is uh, there's a limit to our human capacity. Moses is the one exception to that, and we shouldn't aspire to it ourselves. I think there's a kind of secondhand intimacy here. If you're if you're in the covenant, you've received the law, then you're connected to Moses, right? And Moses saw God face to face, and so right. there's this sense that that's how um, the ordinary person sees God face to face is in this mediated way. And what right. me, what mediates that is ultimately the law. And it for Christians, it um, creates that uh, spiritual expectation that that our great mediator will be Jesus Christ. And that um, talk about knowing God face to face, we can trust that that is true of Jesus. So we have that antecedent with Moses. There are very, very few prophets of this magnitude, and Jesus is ours. And certainly, we see in the Gospel of Matthew, just for one, one in you know one instance of this, that Jesus is presented as the new Moses. That's right. So Jesus is very, very deliberately being depicted as as the lawgiver who who brings the law down. It's it's now a new law, to, but yes, to, I think to underscore this. Jesus sees God to face to face, and that is our Christian route to that intimacy with, with right. the divine. And in the transfiguration, who is it that Jesus gets to have a conversation with? But Moses. Uh, so that's the confirmation for the people. Thanks for listening. Remember to rate and subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. And visit our website for more resources, YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, and I'm your host and executive producer Helena Martin. And our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from Chapter, Verse, and season.